Hello there. Welcome to episode number 394 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. My guest today is Nita Basu, who is the marketing and publicity manager at Hachette Audio. I love behind the scenes conversations. So today we're going behind the scenes and looking at how she promotes audiobooks across genres and how audio is adapted when the text is unique and visual. We're also going to talk about audiobook demographics, which is something that I find really fascinating, especially when a format or genre is growing or changing. So we're going to talk about who listens to audiobooks, where do they listen, what are people doing when they listen, how are people fitting audiobooks into their lives, because as you know, more and more people are listening to audiobooks every year. Key question, should you listen to murder books on the side of a mountain? We will answer that question, but I'm curious, do you listen to audiobooks? What are your favorites? And what are you doing while you listen? You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to know how audiobooks fit into your life and if they fit into your life doing the same things that you do when you listen to podcasts like this one. Speaking of podcasts, today's podcast is brought to you by Owner of a Broken Heart, the first book in the Richardson Sisters series by Cherise Hodges. This is the first book in a new series about four sisters who own a historic B&B in Charleston, South Carolina. Nina Richardson is a sports writer forced to take a time out after a social media blow up and a painful rejection by her boyfriend. When she heads home to Charleston, she finds instant attraction with the newest employee in her family's B&B, Clinton Jefferson, who used to work for her family's biggest rival. Now he's got plans for upgrades and modernization and ideas for a future with Nina, too, if they can overcome the trust issues between and around them. If you like contemporary romances featuring close, supportive families who are not afraid to offer a swift kick in the butt when needed, you will love this series. Owner of a Broken Heart by Cherise Hodges is out now and available wherever books are sold. Every episode of this show receives a transcript hand-compiled by Garlic Knitter. Thank you, Garlic Knitter. And this week's transcript is brought to you by our Patreon community. If you have supported the show with a pledge of any amount, not only is that pledge deeply appreciated, but you're making sure that every show is accessible to everyone. Thank you so much for your pledge, and thank you to our Patreon community. If you would like to join, if the podcast is a meaningful or enjoyable aspect of your day, have a look at patreon.com slash smartpitches. Monthly pledges start at $1 a month. And like I said, every pledge means an enormous amount to me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will have links to all of the things that we talk about in terms of where to find audiobooks. And I will have links to all of the books that Nita mentions. There are many. And of course, I will end the episode with an absolutely terrible joke. So if you listen to the outro, you get a prize at the end because these jokes are really terrible and I love them so much. And I love that when I look at reviews for the podcast, many of you have mentioned how much you enjoy them. So thank you for enjoying terrible humor as much as I do. But now let's do this episode on with the podcast and my conversation with Nita Basu. Uh, my name is Nita Basu. Um, I work at Hachette Audio, and I'm the assistant manager of marketing and publicity there. Um, but I also do, so like it's a lot of reviewer outreach, media outreach, but also digital marketing, social media, email newsletters. And then I do a little bit of like retail management too with our um, retailers. So a little bit that's, of everything. That's a lot. Yeah, it's fun. And I that's get for- cloned at some point. 
I was going to say that's for every book, right? Yes. Yeah. We have about, I think our title count for this year is like 750 titles. So I have a boss too, and she is also doing it. So that's like 300-ish per. I'm bad at math, but it's like something like that. So you have to sort of develop a base fluency about every title when you're creating social media and marketing campaigns that are going to span multiple platforms. Yeah. And like different genres too, and become like, uh, I wouldn't say fluent in every genre. Um, I would say we probably have our own strengths, but but to be able to carry on a conversation in every genre. Yeah. Between like Jesus books to like murder books. Also, side note, but I really love this story. I took a lift like a few weeks ago and my lift driver, who I always try to talk to, uh, is writing a novel, of course, and it is a Jesus sex thriller. And I just like have to work that into every conversation I have with everybody now. Okay. But it's like a time traveling Jesus sex thriller. He told me all about it. I never wanted to leave that lift. <laughs> like, I just want to sit here. Time can you tell me this. Traveling Jesus sex. Yeah. So is Jesus fighting crime? No. And having sex? No, it was like I think it went from present day to like the Jesus time. And it just kept alternating between the two. Like I think Jesus mm-hmm. finally came back in the now times and lots of sex was happening. How far were you going? Was this like rush hour in Manhattan and you were trying to get through the Lincoln Tunnel or something? No, it was like Queens to Brooklyn, which was like 20 minutes. And normally I'm like, oh, 20 minutes. And I was like, this is not, this needs to be three hours. Like I need to just (laughs) delve into the story. What is this? What was your inspiration, sir? I didn't get any of those answers yet. One day. See, I know that this is something that people in a publishing often dread, like saying what they do, because the minute that they say yeah. that they're in publishing, all of a sudden you hear, oh, I have this great idea for a novel. Will you publish it? That sounds truly exquisite. That's amazing. That's like the best case scenario, I think, of <laughs> just having someone. Also, have to say, this guy was not like, oh, please publish my book. He was like, oh, I'm writing a book, but I don't want to bother you. I was like, okay, then like, go ahead and tell me because he wasn't being pushy about it. And then it was an amazing story. So, <gasps> How long have you been working in publishing? And I know you do a lot of all, of all things audiobook at Hachette too. Yes. How long Um, have you been dealing with that as well? So I've been in publishing since, I mean, not, I'm trying to think, like 2012, I think. Um, So that's about like seven years. And I would say audio for a much shorter amount of time, audio only for about two and a half years. Uh, Before that, I was pretty central in print, sci-fi fantasy, a little bit of romance and YA. Um, But yeah, and then audio for about two and a half years. So what are the things that you do with audiobooks in addition to all of the marketing that you do for print books? Um, Well, so a lot of the things that we do, uh, we'll do a lot of audio excerpts. So like there's a lot of, I, we always like to, my, my boss Megan and I like to joke that like a lot of our job is poking our heads into other imprints meetings and being like, hi, there's an audio edition available. But like, it's so like, there's so much of trying to keep tabs of what everyone's doing. So Hypothetically, if you're if a group is doing a print excerpt, we'll get in touch and maybe try to do the audio excerpt of that print excerpt as well. So it's like, hey, read this, and then you can also listen to it um, and try to work with them on that. But we'll also do a lot of we do a lot of uh, giveaways through retail partners like Libro FM, Audiobooks.com. 
Um, we'll work with uh, the narrators in promoting the titles. We'll do a lot of in-studio videos. Um, audio excerpts are definitely our big thing. We're starting to do like photos with um, the audio overlaid on top of them for like digital advertising, social media advertising. So it's a little bit of it's a little bit of working with the imprints on the titles, but trying to bring out like what does the audio enhance. So like just a quick example, we had a book with um, Little Brown Young Readers called Teeth in the Mist by John Kurtigich that had uh, this great cast. And the book itself is really, really great. And it's like really creepy. And it reminded me a lot of House of Leaves. Um, and it had like the, the crazy formatting, you know, when like the words are falling off the page and like flying off the page and stuff. And so what they, but that's hard to do in audio. And our producer and engineer had so much fun with it. They had like the creepiest music, but they also did a lot of like, so for the words that were like backwards, they would have the narrator say it and then they would have like a whisper track overlaid on top of it of them saying it backwards. So it like was super creepy and it just added something to the story that you wouldn't get just from the print. So we would like, so it's like, it's sort of promoting a lot of that stuff. That's cool. And deciding in production how to create the audiobook out of a text that has such a visual impact. I mean, that that's a really creative solution for yeah. that. Yeah. And it's really that's rewarding really cool. for them. And it's, it's, yeah, it's extremely creative. It's extremely collaborative because I know they were like there with the narrator saying like, okay, like what are the ways that we could do this? Like this word is falling off the page. So maybe we'll have your voice kind of trail off and, and kind of do like a crescendo or like I, I'm blanking on what the reverse of crescendo is, but you know, stuff like that. So um, it's, it's pretty neat. But, and so then, so then what we were doing for promotions and stuff was we were doing a picture of the page and then overlaying that audio on top. So people could see what that page looked like and then they could hear the way it was being conveyed in the audio edition, which made people be like, that's kind of cool. Like I want to check that out. So, so yeah, it's all about, it's all about like bringing that, experience like audio is just a different experience from print it's not like better or worse it's just it's just totally different experience yeah that's wow <laughs> with the audiobook production you mentioned you know you spend your time sticking your head in a, in a lot of different meetings does the audiobook production side from a publishing house operate somewhat independently from the print production side yeah I would definitely say so I think uh, and I can't speak to production necessarily. I think our producers probably could better, obviously, because mm -hmm. they're in production. Um, but uh, <laughs> right? it was like the obvious statement of the year, right? I think only when they're trying to coordinate getting like scripts together and stuff do they kind of converge a little. Um, if it's a if it's a really if it's like we had Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow come out. And so there's a lot of, which is amazing. And he reads the audio and plug for that. Cause it's like, it's a harrowing oh. listen and he's amazing at it, but like, it's great. You just need to be in a mood to listen to that book. Um, yeah. But, um, but for something like that, where like the script is changing constantly, like then they'll sort of get in touch and, and kind of coordinate on that back end a little bit. But yeah, in general, they, I, we're almost like a publishing house within a publishing house, if that makes sense. Like we no, do our own sales, we sense. do our own production, we, we have our own relationship with manufacturing, like all of that stuff. So we just sort of function independently within Hachette. That's really interesting. Yeah. It's like a small company but we're part of a big company. When we've met yeah. at conferences and hung out in the bar because 
we make Where good else decisions. Say right. We make good decisions. Um, you have told me a lot of really interesting marketing research about audiobooks in terms of audience and demographic. Who listens to audiobooks? Where are they? What are they doing? Would you be willing to share some of that? Because I find it so fascinating. It's and it. I also love the number of people who say, oh, I, I, well, I don't read. I listen to audiobooks. I'm like, yo, that's reading. Exactly. Or listening. <laughs> I mean, there's, I think there's a little bit, like, I think there's a little bit of a culture change too. Like some people are like, I don't read. I listen. And I was like, okay, cool. Like that's, yeah. let's not be too aggressive about it, but okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that could be a really good life motto. Let's right? not be too aggressive about it, but okay. Yeah. Um, but no, I think one of the things that blew my mind, because again, like I'm very entrenched in this world, but like fairly new to it and by the scope of things, two and a half years. But I was really surprised to hear how, and this is my favorite party fact, as you know, that truckers are like audiobook gurus, like getting schooled by a trucker about your company's audiobook because they know everything about the narrator. They know the narrator, narrator's other like names that they go by. They know that like, under this name, this person uh, like narrates for vampire romances, and under this one, they do nonfiction, and and they like have everything queued up because like they are traveling over such long distances too, and so they have to like queue up the audiobook as they go. That they like become so attuned to it, and like truckers magazines and stuff like feature audiobook reviews. Like it's like a big thing for them, which I didn't anticipate. Like I don't know what I expected, but I just didn't anticipate truckers to be, you know so well educated in audiobooks specifically. And we ended up doing like a focus survey for the APA, the Audio Publishers Association. And there was one guy there who was, uh, he used to be a trucker and now he's in construction. And he was there in a room full of people who were picked because they liked audiobooks. And he's schooling other people too, which was hilarious. Like this like old guy sitting there being like, no, 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 no. You're, you're talking about this guy. You're talking about this guy. Like that guy, his voice sounds very similar but it's not quite like a little off hair. And like, it just was the funniest thing to listen to, but they know so much about it. They really do. That's so cool. It's like a fascinating thing. And then I want, like, I'm trying to think like some of the other things that I found really interesting were that I think we can all kind of guess that audiobooks are being listened to primarily in cars on road trips. Like that's sort of what you would, I mean, hopefully you are not driving a car and also reading a print book. Like, do you, but like at a certain point, maybe don't do that. But, um, but also, so cars are definitely dominating, but like in a close second is just listening at home, like just listening to audiobooks at home, not even commute, like commute is like a third, but number two is strictly listening to audiobooks at home. Like those at home devices, like the creepy spy ones, the Alexa and like Google Home and stuff. Uh-huh. I don't know if I should be calling them creepy spy ones, but I kind of think they are. And it's, most a lot of people and it's a growing audience are listening to audiobooks through their Alexa and Google Home or just on their phone, like laying on their couch. Like that's actually increasing. And that I, I think that's really interesting. And I also think it's kind of like kind of indicative of where people are nowadays too. Cause going to conferences like the ones like you and I have seen each other at and just like kind of talking to people, like so many people are starting to listen to audiobooks because they're like coming home. And they're like, I can't look at a thing. I don't want to like speak to a human. I like, I can't. I'm just going to lay here on the couch sideways and listen to my audiobook because my eyes are closed. I can just take in the information and not deal with the outside world. And I think that's so fascinating. And it's interesting how like audiobook demographics and data can tell us so much about 
can tell us a little bit about like what people are doing and how people are relaxing nowadays. I know that I listen in my house when I am cross-stitching. I'm doing something with my hands and it calms the uh, what I call the Jack Russell Terrier part of my brain. Okay. But it's like, oh, you forgot to do this. Oh, you forgot to do this. You should, the the audio book will calm that part of my brain so that I can relax and listen and then do the, the pattern that I'm doing, which doesn't require me to read anything. I love the part where it feels like someone's telling me a story, especially if it's a narrator who has that sort of vocal confidence of, okay, I am going to tell you this story and you're going to be really into it. Right. Yeah. No, it's amazing. So it, it doesn't surprise me that people listen at home because that's definitely how I listen. I personally absolutely love it when I am listening in the car and I'm also navigating because sometimes the navigation will interrupt in the perfect moment. <laughs> like he grabbed her passionately and then he looked her in the eye and said, turn, turn left right in two miles. <laughs> like, and sometimes if it's a woman's voice, Google's voice will sound very similar and it's outstanding. <laughs> I in the middle it. of a sex scene, can you imagine? It has happened and I loved every minute. It's so great. Someone should just write that book too. Yeah. <laughs> Where that happens like mid The Google scene. Maps romance. Right, yeah, exactly. that'd be great. That'd be so great. I would love that. So sense. are audiobooks growing, continuous, continuing to grow oh, as, a, as a market? Yeah, no, they're totally growing. I think there were, there were a couple of surveys. There was a big survey done about a month ago and they were talking about how like now one in five Americans are now listening to audiobooks. So it went from 14% to 20%. Um, right. Like just listening wise. And then I know that PW recently did uh, a survey that's really interesting. And they were talking about how the sales have increased by like 24%. So it's definitely, it's like a, it's, that's a massive boom. Um, that's quite big growing. Yeah. And it's interesting because the demographic is skewing younger too which is great. I mean, like that's what you want, but it is very interesting because I think a lot of times we think like books on tape, like grandma with books on tape, like crocheting, which is like also great, like no shame, but you know, it's, it's so much of a younger audience coming to it too. Like now, now the audience, I think the majority is like 18 to 44. Um, wow. Which is kind of fascinating. And I was trying to think about it and this is not backed up by data. This is just backed up by my own opinion, but I kind of think some of it has to do with podcasts because we're- Oh, I agree with you totally. Yeah, because podcasts are such a big part of our community and people are always listening to them. And everyone's looking for like a new podcast and it's like a bite-sized kind of, right? Because like, I think they say the best podcasts are like, I, I, like under an hour or something. And so mm -hmm. it, I think- people are getting used to listening to podcasts and then that becomes a really good gateway for them to listen to an audiobook, which is obviously much longer, but they sort of get attached to that voice. They get attached to getting information. They get attached to that experience of being read to being talked to um, yes. while doing other things. And so I think that's probably why the younger audience is kind of gravitating towards audiobooks the way that they are, but that's just, my that's idea. fascinating. Yeah. And I know from a marketing perspective, that's great because you have a community that will continue, you hope, to buy as exactly. they age. Yeah, for sure. And I was at New York Comic Con uh, just a few weeks ago, and they just we we were not selling at the booth this year, but we were selling physical books, I should say, at the booth. And people were coming up saying, "Oh, I'm really interested in this. Is this available on audio? You know, I like mostly listen to audiobooks. Like, is it? Could I buy it on my phone for on?" 
the audio edition, which is really, really amazing that they're coming up unprompted, just saying that this is, well, this is really great. And I like print books, but it's just much easier for me to listen to the audio version. Like I'm on the subway, I have motion sickness, I drive a lot, you Mm -hmm. know, I, I like cook for my family. So I have time to sit down and read a book. So hearing it while I'm like preparing food. And then the other thing I wanted to mention too was a lot of younger people, and I thought this was amazing, are listening to audiobooks while like going on Instagram. Like Instagram, Twitter, because you don't need a lot of brain power to go through like your friends' like dog photos, but you like still oh, want to go through them for hours, right? So yeah. but you know, and then you're listening to this story while you're going through Instagram. And you kind of feel like you're a little bit more productive as a human being while you're doing that too. But that is Really interesting. And it makes total sense. Yeah. I mean, I can't listen to words and read words. I will stop with one of them. Either the, <laughs> the words that I'm reading won't make sense or the words that I'm hearing won't make sense, which is why I can cross stitch and look at a pattern or I can um, do something that isn't word related with my hands while I'm listening, right. like cooking. I definitely listen to audiobooks. A lot of nonfiction while I'm cooking. Oh, that's interesting. Um, See, yeah, I'm, I, I'm a terrible cook. And cooking brings me so much anxiety. So like everything needs to be silent. I need to be like zeroed in. It's like I must have total focus, like like a like a surgical theater. Everything exactly. Yeah, I'm performing (laughs) surgery while making pasta. Like it's. (laughs) So, do you have demographic data about gender regarding audiobooks, male, female, non-binary, gender fluid? Is there is there any? strong indication of one group growing more than another. I would say that right now we don't have a lot of data as far as non-binary and gender fluid, I, but also, so we only have male, female, because I think it's it's a little bit of old data and it, it needs to catch up a little bit. But I yeah. will say that I think it's interesting because it did say female skewed 53%. So it actually seems very even-handed, which is interesting because that's very different from what you generally tend to get in terms of demographic for other books. You know what I mean? Like it's very Mm -hmm. predominantly male, predominantly female. And so I think, I think it sort of speaks more to the accessibility of it, right? Because it becomes much more, it just, it's, it's just much more accessible for everybody for like male, female, gender fluid, non-binary. And it's really people kind of following their narrator, to be honest, like big audiobook fans, they're, they're, following the author, obviously, but they're primarily following the narrator. Like the amount of times if the narrator shifts mid-series, sometimes it works. And, you know, they're always very talented narrators, but people love specific narrators. And oh, so, I've seen this. Yeah, yeah. And they'll they'll complain. They'll like write angry. I mean, I was going to say letters, but nobody writes letters anymore. They like write angry tweets, you know, yeah. like at Hachette Audio, why is this narrated by this person? And it's a big enough title. It might even be re-recorded, but yeah, like people are just, they, I mean, you get attached to a voice, you get attached to who is reading you the story, right? So. Oh, of course. I find that with, um, with podcasting, people recognize me by my voice. Like I'll talk in an elevator and someone will turn around and be like, I know you. Like, ah. like yeah, voice, I didn't do yeah, it. Voice is, it's, yeah, exactly. Voice is very intimate. You're like, you're in someone's eardrums. And I think it was Caitlin Schiller from the uh, podcast Simplify who said that her theory about podcasting was that we're all eavesdropping on conversations when we listen to podcasts that. that aren't a single narrator. So we're listening in on a conversation, which is something we're not supposed to do. And then we can refine what conversations we're listening to by you know topic when you're picking the shows you want to listen to. With audiobooks, you have that 
if it's dual narrator or it's a cast, you're you're listening in on dialogue and you're listening in on conversations and a story at the same time. It's it's very intimate. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. I also think something that podcasts and audiobooks both do very well on a, a little bit more of a serious note are for people who for some reason are having a lot of social anxiety or like just oh, have sure. difficulty communicating with people. It helps them. I remember reading this once in um, uh, Blackout by Sarah Heppola, which is a book that's amazing. It's a very heavy book, but it was it was life changing for me. And in there, she starts talking about how um, when she was kind of confronted with she's in recovery, and when she's confronted with starting to talk to people again, but like without any assistance, right? And and she forgot how to do that. Like she actually forgot how to carry on conversations. So she was sitting there listening to podcasts and listening to people talk to each other. And that was kind of how she relearned how to talk to people. And I know like I've had my my moments of social anxiety in the past too. And so that was really helpful. And I also think the other thing that audiobooks and podcasts both do is like if you don't know how to pronounce certain words, right? Like you don't you, you learn cadence, you learn this, you just learn dialogue skills that you don't really learn in school. You learn by talking to people, but that's not a thing that you have an avenue to do. If you have a lot of anxiety around it, like that sort of gives you that ability. One of the things that I am doing right now is I purchased um, an 18 hour course on the history of language because I am going to nerd out hardcore. And well, the, I was actually searching, um, on different, you know, uh, forums like Reddit and other recommendation engines, what are uh, online courses that are audio that people really like, like the great courses and some of the other online learning things that are audio only, which ones are really good. The, the, um, the professor is really good because he's into what he's doing. And so that enthusiasm is contagious, but I'm also learning how pronunciation changes and has changed. So I am learning more about pronouncing words too. It's you're so right because when you can hear people say things, it it, it sort of amplifies and expands the amount of knowledge and language that you yeah. have. And also context, right? You then learn, oh, this is how you use that word. You know, there's right. so many times where you you know we all read, I mean, and everyone listening to this presumably reads. It would be a little odd if they didn't, I think. But but you know, whatever do you? But it like you you know these words, but it, it's in the process of reading, in the process of listening, you kind of learn how to put them together and you kind of mm-hmm. learn how to become a little bit more articulate and how to express yourself in a more accurate and more authentic way, right? In, in, in listening mm-hmm. and, and in getting other people's voices. That's that's primarily yes, how people and that, learn. Yeah, that, and the, the intimacy of listening, mm-hmm. and especially if you're listening to um, – material that's really heavy or heartfelt or difficult, that's going to also engage, you know, empathy and increase empathy, which is always a good thing. Yeah. Anything we can do to increase empathy nowadays. God, yes. (laughs) Thank you, please. So have you noticed any shifts in popularity between single narrator, dual narrator, or cast recordings? I think it depends on content. I think there isn't like market, there isn't like a blanket market fact on that. I think it really, really depends on content. So for memoirs, in general, like author reads are great because for memoirs, especially, right. It is incredibly intimate. Like that is the most intimate experience. And so then to have someone read to you their story 
is just, it's, it's something that you're getting, like hearing David Sedaris read David Sedaris's stuff is, is an amazing experience that you can't get from reading the print book. Like you just can't get that experience. Um, and so, so for memoirs, yeah, definitely author reads are much more popular. If, if that's something the author can do, it's, it's a grueling experience too, to have to go through and read an audiobook. So, um, it's hard. It's, it's very hard. hard. It's super hard. I would say that I've seen across the board, um, from reviewers and, and just a lot of consumers that in romance specifically, they really like the dual narration, but sometimes, sometimes that's like too much too. Like some people are just very attached to like nonfiction or having like a literary fiction, having one person read through it. You know, they want to be mm-hmm. told the story by one person, but having something that's romance because romance, as you know, is primarily, it's more than just being like, oh, it's a book where sexy times happen, which like they are, and we want that, but it's, it's also a book about relationships, you know, and, and romance books are books about interacting with people and interpersonal relationships. So having that dual narration gives you that, that literally gives you yeah. that experience of having two people interact with each other, which is again, something you're not really getting from the print. Um, so I, like the, the short answer, as I said, is I think it depends on the genre itself, but we do, we did like the president is missing by James Patterson. And it had a whole cast of characters too. Um, and not as a drama, but it just a multicast and teeth in the mist, Mm -hmm. as I was saying, was also multicast as well. So it, it really varies on the atmosphere that you're trying to have. It's really interesting to see how preference, how strong listener preferences are too. Um, I, when I, when I ask people about, you know, do you like du- dual or single? Do you like a cast? People have very strong opinions. I, I wonder if that's also a, an outcome of the intimacy of listening that, that people get attached not only to the narrator, but the format yeah. too. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I've seen a lot of reviews where like people will complain that there is too much music leading into sometimes we'll have like music in the beginning of a chapter like chapter one and -hmm. some people will complain about that and be like this is taking me out of my experience and I was like oh okay like cool oh sorry you know but then some people because we do um we do these book track editions for certain books where we work with book tracks where they have original music that accompanies the audiobook. And we have some people who prefer that too, you know, where they want the music going oh. and it's mo- much more of a cinematic experience to have like, it, it's like a book score, right? Um, which mm-hmm. like, I don't know if anyone else reads print books the way I do, but when I read a print book, I always have like music playing in the background, but like it has to be music that kind of oh, goes, okay, great. I was like, am I like a little weird, but you are not alone. <laughs> I was like, and it has to be like the right music. Cause like, I don't want to be listening yep. to like really sad music while listening, while reading like a murder book, you know, but it, it, so it, it provides this original score, um, for the audiobook, And some people prefer that by far because they oh, feel like, yeah. oh, this is a cinematic experience. It's like watching a film, but with my ears, you know, which is great. And yep. then other people are like, no, I just want to be read my bedtime story. I want to be read yeah. my bedtime story. This is my like thing. And this is the way I want to take in my stories. So, I mean, it, it, it's so heavy on preference and it's so heavy on what you're looking for too. Like if you just want that like bedtime story experience, and I'm not saying that to even devalue that. Like I, I certainly am one of those people where 
if I'm listening to an audiobook, I really just want to sit there and listen to it. Like I, I very seldomly listen while doing other things. There, there are certain things I will do while listening to an audiobook, but mm-hmm. it very much is meant to be a very low key experience for me personally. So mm-hmm. having too much stuff going on is fine mm-hmm. if I'm like signing up for that. And I'm like, I want to check this out. Like Teeth in the Mist, I listened to because I really wanted to see how that played out. But in general mm-hmm. is not how I personally listen. Have you listened to more audiobooks since you started working with them two years ago? Um, I mean, yes and no. I used to drive a lot when I didn't live in the city. Um, and I used to drive a lot and I probably listened to the most audiobooks then uh, when mm. I drove, obviously. And then for a while I had like a data entry job. So like I listened to the most audiobooks oh, yeah. during that time because like you're oh, just yeah. copy pasting into Excel. Um, so, so I would say... Probably more than I think I'm probably a little bit more well versed in audiobooks now. Obviously, I mean, let's yeah. hope um, than I was <laughs> when I wasn't working in it. Uh, it's kind of a crapshoot because a lot of times I'm reading the manuscript for things or the galleys for things before they become an audiobook, um, or I'll read like the first fifty pages just so I have a general idea for marketing reasons, and then I'm like, I'm not not going to touch this. I really want to listen to it when it comes out. Um, so, wow. so it like, it, it, it varies, but I, I would say overall, like I've always been an audiobooks listener, so I wouldn't say that it changed that much for me. Very cool. Now I know from following you on Instagram, hi, <laughs> uh, that you are currently training for a marathon and you get up at the absolute butt crack <laughs> of dawn Sometimes to go, to go on some long ass runs. Yes. Do, you, do you listen to audiobooks while you're running? So yes and no sometimes. So I do for the long runs. For the really long runs, like I did a 20 mile run on Sunday. Um, <laughs> it felt like, oi. Um, and, I, and I listened to an audiobook then. Um, and so for the long runs, I find they're much more meditative you're not really that focused on speed. I think if you're if you're like pro, you're obviously doing something different. But like if you're if you're just doing this recreationally, your long runs are are a little bit more. They're just they're distance, and it's like mm-hmm. what gets you through the distance. So I find that audiobooks help for that, um, much like podcasts would. But podcasts are just not long enough, so it's just much easier to queue up an audiobook on your phone because you're going to be out for like two three hours, right? Yeah. Um, And then for shorter runs, like if I'm doing like a two, three mile run in the morning, then it's music because I'm just trying to like, it's usually something heavy with a really fast beat, you know, just to try to give me a little bit of an edge to get through because sometimes like the fast beat helps, um, at least for me. But I think some people like they'll work out to like heavy metal music and stuff or like pop music. Um, so really just for the long runs or anything where I'm not really focused on speed and I'm just focused on distance or just kind of enjoying the scenery too. Like over where yeah. I live in Queens, there are a few like Forest Park, Cunningham Park where they're not like Central Park. Like it's very woodsy, which is kind of nice. A yeah. little bit of woods in the middle of the city. And and for those, I'll listen to an audiobook because it's just like a nicer experience and, and it feels a lot more intimate and there's an atmosphere. And I'll usually listen to like some sort of like outdoorsy memoir too. Like I'm heavy into like atmosphere. So that's cool. Yeah. Do you have any tips for anyone who's thinking about running a marathon or training for longer runs? Do you have any tips for folks who are oh like, oh, God. yeah, that's me? Yeah, I want to see that. Um, I would say uh, the, the not to underestimate the mental 
the mental fortitude that it takes. Like it's physical for sure, but like your body adapts, your body can Mm -hmm. do anything that you really want to focus your body on doing. And if it can't physically, like it will find, you can find a way, like there is a way to do a thing that you want to do, whether or not you do it in a traditional physical manner. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But the mental strain of doing that for so long, and it's a very solitary activity too. Like it's not like hiking with, I mean, I guess people hike by themselves. I don't tend to, but it's not like a group activity, a group sport that you're doing. So I would say that understanding that, like, especially for a marathon distance, you're spending a lot of time by yourself in your own head. And so really getting comfortable with that. And, and for some people that's listening to emotional music and crying it out. For me, I listen to really sad books. And then I just cry all my feelings. I'm always like that person who's like crying out of the riverside by the waterfront at the end of my run. And people think like it was a really bad run. And they're like, it's okay. It's fine. I was like, no, but sad things are happening. (laughs) It's it's absurd, but it's, it's just that mental, it's, it's that mental strength and, and being okay with yourself. Like it, it just, whatever comes up, I did, um, on a side note, I did, um, Kilimanjaro earlier this year. And, uh, at one point, the night before you climbed to the top of it. Yes. And holy cow. Wow. (laughs) And the night before the summit, we were asking people for advice and people were emailing me like little like encouragement stuff. Like, I believe you can do it, but if you can't, like, that's also fine, you know? And, and some of the best advice I got was people who were actually kind of warning me a little, and they weren't Mm -hmm. even warning about altitude because you like hear that stuff all the time, but they were like, when you go up there, understand that whatever you have buried inside of you, that's coming up. Like stuff you oh. don't want to think about, whatever you push down, that's coming up. So just understand that that's going to happen and be prepared wow. for that and just be prepared to work through that. And then I remember I had someone who emailed me and said, and then feel com- feel free to leave some of that behind. Like just leave it on the mountain. And I would say the same thing for a marathon too. Like that stuff comes up, like in that 20 mile run, I was thinking about insecurities that I had not thought about in a while. And, <laughs> oh, you know, and I was like, oh, fun. I, know, I, was, I know it was like, oh, 14 year old Nita is like finally popping up. But, you know, and, and, but it feels so cathartic too. Cause then at the end, you're like, your body's tired, you know, cause mm-hmm. you just did this thing and, and the race is no different, but these long runs, like your body is just tired. And if you just kind of accept that experience, then it almost feels like you've worked through it and you can kind of like leave it behind. So the mental strength wow. for sure. That's fascinating. When you said you you did Kilimanjaro, I'm like, wait, is that a run, a race that I don't know about? No. It took, it took me a second. Like also, you- fun audiobook fact on that. We were in a hiker's lodge, hiker's like coffee shop. And it wasn't, it's not like a hiker's coffee shop. It was just a coffee shop with a lot of hikers in it. But yeah. um, we were talking to some people and a lot of people for that last climb up because like altitude, you don't really want to talk to anybody. You're also climbing mm-hmm. at like midnight. So like mm-hmm. nobody wants to talk to anyone at that hour anyway, uh, <laughs> when you have to wake up then to go do something. And so a lot of people, because it's hours up, you know, and if you're like super fast, you can do it in four hours maybe. But like, if you're not like me, it took you like closer to like six or seven. And it, a lot of us were just listening to audiobooks, And a lot of people had said that too. They were like, well, while you're still in civilization, maybe download something that you can listen to 
And so I'd like listen to, I'm trying to even remember now. I think I was, I think I listened to like a murder mystery, which is like, by the way, the worst idea to do in the middle of the night. Um, do not advocate <laughs> doing that, but, but <laughs> it was, oh, I was listening to the dark lake by Sarah Bailey, which is a great book. But like, I was convinced I was getting murdered in the middle of the night on this mountain by like, I don't know, bandits. I don't know what I thought was going to happen. But it was, it's such a great experience to listen to something. Somebody else was listening to a romance book and I think she had a much better climb than I did. (laughs) (laughs) She was definitely in a better state of mind, but people were doing that because they just, then it was something to focus on because it's one foot in front of the other. And for that particular climb, it's like going as slow as possible that they like make you walk. They said like wedding march speed because of the altitude, because you're going straight up. And so, and that's boring and it's dark. You can't see anything. It's boring. And to do that for hours at a time without talking to anyone, it's just so much easier to listen to something and then just to go out. Yeah. So fun fact. So if you're going to do that, download an audiobook before you go. Uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but don't download murder books. No murder books on mountains. That's, that's. (laughs) You want the hot and sexy romances. Hot and sexy romances only. Or time travel Jesus murder mysteries. Well, when that comes out, everyone should listen to it. I'm 100%. And climb mountains, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so after the marathon that you're training for, are you going to climb another mountain? Um, I'm hoping to do this summer. Um, my boyfriend and I have been talking about doing the TMB, which is the Tour de Mont Blanc. And it's 110 miles. And it's not a climb up. Mont Blanc, which is the biggest mountain in the Alps, but the TMB circuit is going around the mountain. Wow, um, cool. So, and yeah. super ugly and utterly hideous to look at, I'm sure. I'm sh- yeah, no, no views whatsoever. Um, I will say, though, whenever I look at GoPro videos of the whole w- amazing hike, um, there's always like an angry cow like walking into the shot. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> fuck off my mouth. What the hell are you doing here? What the fuck are you doing here? It's so the angriest cows I've ever seen in videos. Um, but so we're hoping to do that. And it goes through, it's like supposed to be great. It goes through France, Italy, Switzerland. So I think after Whoa. the marathon, um, I'm going to take a little bit of a rest and then start training for that. That's incredible. So I did, I do ask, um, I like to ask my guests, you know, what things you do to look after yourself. Is this what you do to look after yourself? <laughs> yeah, or like hate myself, like depending. Um, but but yeah, no, for me, right? Like depending on how my body's feeling. Um, but I, overall, I would say, yeah, a lot of physical activity, but I'm a big crafter, really. Um, and And I will do a lot of crafting while listening to audio as well. So like for me, especially if I'm recovering from something um, or just having like a Thursday night, it'll be a lot of like cross stitching, a lot of times cross stitching profanity because like stabbing oh. needles and like totally. writing fuck is sometimes so cathartic after a really yes. bad day. That is why I do it. <laughs> right. It's amazing. Um, and so I do a lot of cross stitching. I'll do some, I'll do chainmail jewelry. Um, I'm trying to learn macrame now because I've decided I want to be an old lady. Um, and so, Go for it. right. I just, and my walls are bare, so let's just cover it in macrame. Um, so I, I like to do a lot of that too, just as a sort of treat to myself and, and not forcing my body to do stupid stuff. That's so cool. Yeah. And that's a good time to listen to murder books because you're oh, like safe. I, 
love listening to murder mysteries while I'm sitting in it, when it's daylight. If it's night, I get a little ski to sit next to the window. Like, right. what's going on out there? But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially if, especially if they're super atmospheric. Those are my favorite. Yeah. So what I always ask, what books are you reading or listening to that you want to tell people about? Um, so two, because I always listen to a book and then I always read one. Um, I'm currently reading the ARC for Abby Jimenez's um, Happy Ever After. Happy Ever, yeah, Happy Ever After playlist. Um, because I loved the friend zone so much. And so I was debating waiting for the audio, but I was like, I can't wait a year. Um, so like, I'll probably listen to it still, but like, I just had to read it. So I just started it and I'm already loving it. And I, I just love her voice and I love rom-coms and I just, I love every, I loved the friend zone so much. And I like sobbed hysterically and had all these feels. So, um, I'm really excited for that one. And uh, and I'm listening to Stephen Fry's Mythos, which I highly recommend, even if you don't care about Greek mythology, mainly because Stephen Fry. But oh, he, so true! It's he, he's just telling you story. I mean, basically, he's telling you stories about Greek mythology, which is very interesting. But also, he's amazing. He's a great narrator. He excels at dialogue, and they totally knew that going into this. Like, he does such a great job with the dialogue between the gods, and like. Greek mythology is like really fucking weird. Let's be real. You know, oh, like, yeah. like Zeus is rapey. like a little rapey. Zeus is like banging everybody and like getting everybody prego. And like, he does such a great job of just telling you all of those stories and the interactions between the gods, which like when I learned about it in school, I was really interested in, but you don't get that interplay really. You just get like mm-hmm. Zeus turned into rain and then bang some chick as rain, yeah. which is confusing, but you know, you don't really see like the rain talking to the girl part. So um, it's really cool hearing it from his voice. So I highly recommend that one. That is cool. Mm -hmm. Are there any books coming out from Hachette that you want to be sure to mention? Um, I definitely, well, want to mention Catch and Kill. Um, Just because I think, especially in like the Me Too movement, like it's such an important book um, Mm -hmm. to talk about. And Ronan Farrow just does a great job of like telling that whole story. But um, I do want to mention The Queen of Nothing for Holly Black fans. It's like the final book in that series, The Cruel Prince and then The Wicked King. And this is the third and everyone's like going crazy for it next month. And then, of course, the new Lindy West, because I think we all love Shrill. I think if you don't love Shrill, you're kind of a bad person. And... (laughs) Just, just, just put it out there. And uh, the witches are coming. Is coming out next month, and we're super, super excited for it. And it's just, I, it's, it, I don't know if you know the premise behind it, but like, it's, it's about the Me Too movement. Um, and it's based on like all of the dude bros being like, "This is a witch hunt," and so she's basically like, "You're right. This is a witch hunt. We're the witches, and we're hunting you." Um, and it sounds it's, great. I'm in. Exactly. It's so great. So everybody should listen to that. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you to Nita Basu for hanging out with me and talking about really astonishing things that you do in your spare time and about audiobooks. Like I said in the intro, I am curious about you. What do you do when you're listening to audiobooks or podcasts or both? What are the things that you're doing while you listen? 
I am always doing something when I listen. I very rarely just sit still and zone out unless I'm also walking and then I'm still doing something. So I'm curious. You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I will have links in the show notes about where you can find Nita if you'd like to follow her on Twitter or on Instagram. And I will have links to all of the books she mentioned and some of the places where you can get audiobooks if you're interested in trying them. Coming up on Smart Bitches this week, we have new reviews. We will have a Bachelor recap from Elise, because this season is really, really something. We'll also have Help a Bitch Out and books on sale every day. Come hang out with us, because we're usually up to something silly. And you can find us at smartbitchestrashybooks.com. Now, as always, I end each episode with a really bad joke. This one comes from my older son, who is known on the internet as Freebird. This is quite terrible and made my husband guffaw while he was driving. So I hope you enjoy this as much as we did. Did you know that Rick Astley will lend you any movie from his Disney Pixar collection except one? It's true. He's never going to give you up. (laughs) Yes! Oh, dumb. (laughs) I think I I I and you got Rickrolled by a really bad joke. On behalf of Nita and myself and all of the mammals currently in my office staring at me, they're all staring at me, we wish you the very best of reading and listening. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you back here next week. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more shows to enjoy at frolic.media slash podcasts.